Welcome to Paper Team, a podcast about television writing and becoming a TV writer. I'm Alex Friedman, aka TV Calling. I'm Nick Watson. You can find me on Twitter at underscore NJ Watson. Now, today we're going to talk about tips and tricks on meeting new industry people, whether that means creating connections for yourself before you set foot in LA, whether that means using connections that you already have in the city, or even what to do when you don't know anyone. Yeah, but what we're not going to be talking about today is networking. That's a different thing. We'll be covering that later. We just want to talk about meeting people in its most basic form. The first that we definitely need to talk about is before you even step foot in LA, you need to start building connections for yourself. Even outside of LA, you can still make valuable connections to people in LA or even people who are still overseas that could help you. Um, so as an example, I actually ended up moving to Vancouver in Canada first, as I mentioned last time. And uh, through that, I, I worked in film and TV there for quite a while and uh, met a lot of people through that. And in one of my last jobs there before I moved down to LA, I was a director's assistant. And what that meant was I got to do a lot of liaising with kind of uh, like his agent and manager's assistants with um, other kind of director's assistants, friends of his. So um, in the course of emailing with those people, I once as soon as I found out that I was going to move to LA, I started emailing them and being like, hey, I'm actually moving down. Um, it's been great like working with you. Would you like to grab a drink when you come down? And like in my head, I'm like, oh, this is never going to work out. These people are like, no. Like, but then this, that's just, I found out that's the culture in LA is everyone grabs drinks and everyone wants to meet each other. It's just Absolutely. so helpful. So it was just like a short email you sent. It was like the most informal thing. Yeah, totally. Like we had just some people I had been emailing back and forth constantly. Uh, one of them was a producer's assistant uh, who I'll talk about in a minute. Mm -hmm. But uh, even just people who I had literally emailed once to like ask for something that my director needed or something like that. I was just like, you know, hey, um, I would love if someone was able to kind of like give me the lay of the land in L.A. I've never lived there. I don't know anyone there. Would you mind just like taking an hour to grab a coffee or something with me. And most people were very happy to oblige. One funny story um, was that I was working with a producer up there who had hired a, a local assistant to help him out. And I was the local assistant for the director. It's much easier for them to actually just hire people in Vancouver than it is to fly up, you know, assistants they might've had in LA. I had been emailing back and forth and calling quite a lot with his LA assistant, this producer's assistant. And uh, <laughs> as it turned out, the, this producer is a little bit tricky to work with. And so he ended up firing his local assistant twice. twice uh yeah he went through two different ones they, they were like good at their job but he was just the kind of guy that wanted someone who like really vibed with him and like needed to click personality wise so um what ended up happening was for the last couple of weeks of the shoot they flew his local uh, he's not his local his la assistant up to help him out on set because like they just didn't have the time or energy to spend hiring anyone else to assist him locally and he was probably just going to end up firing him anyway so uh she flew up and we had kind of become friends because we were emailing back and forth and chatting on the phone all the time while i was trying to help out her boss in between him not having an assistant um and so we worked together on set for the next kind of two weeks. It was her first time ever like on a film set. She'd only ever done like office assistant kind of work. And I was about to, you know, be heading down to LA and getting the, the realm with that. So we were able to kind of <laughs> like, uh, learn each other's worlds a little bit. And, uh, Literally, I flew down to LA the day after we wrapped on principal photography. I jumped on the plane because I had to actually get there to stop my visa on time. Damn. And uh, she became my first friend in LA and showed me around and introduced me to people, um, added me to this kind of like assistance group that I'll chat about in a little bit that really helped. So uh, you never know what little connections you can turn into something more. 
And in addition to that, with your story, I think you illustrated this idea that you need to be proactive with any relationship that you have, either where you lived before LA or after LA. Yeah, totally. And uh, I could have let all of those leads go cold. I could have like never spoken to those people again, as a lot of people do. And I would not have had a lot of the opportunities that I managed to make for myself in LA if I had done that. So yeah, that's just like one story of mine as to how I kind of set a few things up before I even came to LA. Um, what did you find that you were able to do, Alex, to prepare yourself? Right. So I actually come from France. Uh, there's not that many uh, Anglophones, I should say, uh, back home. So is that an instrument? Uh, <laughs> is that an instrument? Um, so there's there's a uh, there's not that many Anglophones back home. So the way I went about making connections even before moving to LA was what we talked about in episode one, which is kind of putting myself out there online, whether that meant Twitter or uh, my website TV calling. When I moved to LA, I just had this one cousin who basically moved away uh, within three months of me arriving to LA. I didn't really know anyone per se. The only people I sort of knew were the individuals whom I had talked with online, whether through Twitter or like Nick emails. And what allowed me to converse with these people was my website TV calling. And they had similar interests because they themselves had either uh, Twitter accounts or had a blog about TV writing. So once I moved to LA, it was kind of easy to set up the drinks that the same drinks that you, you were setting yeah, up with generally. Yeah. I just want to ask as well, like, how do you what is the best way to interact with those people on Twitter? Like, were you just kind of like liking their comments? Were they coming? Like, how do you do that? I think the number one thing was I was actually invested in the topic people were talking about. And so mm -hmm. I would like actually be joining conversations with other people on Twitter or in other forums. And I think a lot of, there are quite a few people who believe that just liking a comment or like favoring or retweeting something is mm -hmm. enough to justify a relationship. Not that it's not like worthwhile to do that, but I think if you start to genuinely be interested in what other people are saying and enter that conversation with them on Twitter, then they will see that you have something valuable to share within the constraint of that conversation. Yeah, that's a really great point. And did you did you meet anyone cool through that? Like you know, drop some names on us or just you know maybe you, yeah. The first people I met were definitely like lower level like aspiring writers mm -hmm. and assistants. And one of those people is actually uh, a good friend of mine, Keon Kim, who has more on the comedy side, his own blog. Mm -hmm. And us sharing our mutual interest in television, whether on Twitter or separately, over before I even moved and set foot in LA, I think really brought me closer to him and other people already in LA. So you weren't necessarily grabbing beers with Joss Whedon, but you're meeting people that could provide <laughs> kind of, you know, valuable insight or just friends. Like that's the one thing that you shouldn't overlook here is like, honestly, just make some friends. It doesn't always have to be about what they can do for you. And we'll get into that later. You know, I was going to say that, uh, does Joss Whedon interact that often with people tweeting? at him? Is that um, his primary means of communication? I remember he deleted Twitter a while ago because uh, people started like, you know, asking for drinks. Something. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> all these French people were just like, <laughs> I listened to this podcast and they told me to interact. Uh, yeah, that's my French accent. You'll hear it a lot. Uh, <laughs> Let's move on to the second thread of this conversation, which is don't lose sight of any connections you may have. Now, I'm not really lucky in the alumni world in the sense that nobody here I know went to the same college I did, but maybe you were luckier because you went to an Australian school? Uh, not necessarily. Like, to be honest, there's maybe like 
three Australian film schools. Um, so it might help is you. That, is that a large number or is that a small number? That to me, that's a small number <laughs> uh, compared to the amount that they have here in the States. Uh, there's like, uh, there's VCA in Melbourne. There is Afters in Sydney. And I think uh, Whopper over in Perth. Whopper, like Burger King? Like, like the burger, but W-A-P-A. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so those are like the, the main ones that come to mind. I went to the VCA because I'm from, from Melbourne. Um, so within Australia, perhaps that community can be useful more of the time, but it's not like over here where everyone I meet is like, oh, I went to Syracuse. And like, oh, you went to Syracuse? Or I went to USC and that kind of thing. But that said, there are still people who have made the move over here as well. There are people out here trying to do the same thing as me, whether it's in writing or directing or producing. And uh, you should kind of explore those possibilities. Ask your, you know, your professors, ask your fellow students, like, um, do you know anyone who's moved over here to LA and is already trying to do that? And maybe they can hook you up. There was actually a... Uh, a director who had moved out here from my school. She was a couple of years ahead of me. And now she's kind of doing some stuff for like Amazon, doing a lot of TV directing. Um, I still actually haven't had the chance to sit down and get a coffee with her because she's so busy, but we <laughs> chatted online and she kind of gave me some, some helpful tips and advice. At one point um, I nearly like rented like a room from her in her house. So you never know what kind of like valuable connections you can make just from asking around your friends and your, your alumni kind of community. So not just jobs, but also housing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, maybe they'll throw you some breadcrumbs. I don't know. Um, so some other th things you can look into are family and friends. Um, my sister happened to be in like an online book club with this guy who turned out was a comedy writer for all of the Comedy Central roasts. Um, and so we actually met up and got coffee and chatted and I asked him about his career and he kind of like asked me what I wanted to do. And he like offered to read something that I'd written, which was great. Um, and you know, he said if he would keep an ear out for any like writer's assistant, writer's PA kind of jobs for me. So even though like nothing has come of that yet, once you do that enough, uh, eventually something will kind of pop up for you. Right. And I feel like even outside of just the one degree separation uh, people that you may have, you, you can also branch out and ask friends if they know other people that live here. So, for example, I went to uh, the Cannes Film Festival for a short film I had and with other like college friends of mine. Was it in the festival? Not directly. It was kind of this uh, short film corner, which is basically the market equivalent for short films. Okay, so like cool. Khan is basically like, you know, a, a feature market, but yeah. they also have kind of like a short film version of that. Nice. Um, and so I was there for that back in, this is going to date me, but back in 2009. And I'm, I'm so, <laughs> yeah, whatever. 2009 was only five years ago. Uh, but so anyway, so um, as I mentioned previously, like this, there's, there's not that many alumni living in LA. However, one of the college buddies who went with me down in Cannes, met this DreamWorks person. Fast forward to two years later, when once I was in LA, uh, despite me not knowing who this person was, my college friend kind of like connected me with her. And that's how I kind of like met a bunch of new people at DreamWorks initially. That's great. Yeah. Um, another way that you can potentially put yourself out there before you even leave is to submit yourself to some screenwriting competitions. Um, there are some that are a little more reputable than others. I wouldn't recommend that you go and throw everything out to every possible thing because it costs money the, almost every time. Um, but there are a few that are quite useful. Uh, the, the Academy Nickel for feature scripts. You've got the Austin Film Festival, which I'll talk about my experience of actually going to later. There is like the final draft big break. A few of those ones that are actually just kind of like quite well-regarded screenplay competitions. And um, once you kind of do that, as soon as your script progresses to a certain level, 
um, people will pay attention. They will often send the log lines of your scripts or the actual scripts themselves out to agents and managers that the people who run these competitions know. If it sounds interesting, they will read it. If they like you, they'll call you in. So you could end up with a representation from that or even just making those connections with the people who run the competition and the readers and that kind of thing. Um, can be really useful to you. There were a couple of guys um, who ran some competitions and my script progressed to around about the finals of those. And uh, even though nothing ended up happening from that, they sent it to some managers. I guess they never got back to me on that. Uh, uh, <laughs> what I was able to do was have coffee with those guys once I got into town. And from one of them, I got a job as a script reader, just doing freelance stuff, helping out with this competition the next year because I had done so well in it. He was like, he must kind of know what he's talking about. And uh, the other guy has invited me to a bunch of kind of like um, networking events. Uh, he got me into like a pitch fest for free that his company was doing and I got to pitch to a bunch of companies so don't kind of like let those things slide away if you're like oh I made the finals of this competition and nothing ever came from it maybe you weren't kind of working hard enough and, and you know getting to know those people right I think one aspect of screenwriting competitions that I feel is overlooked a lot of the times mm -hmm. is this idea that you're actually going to meet people if you make it far it's not just about the cash prize or the little blurb you can put on your resume it's really about the connections you can build through those contests. That is the reward of screenplay, screenwriting competitions. And that's why I find that I'm actually a lot more choosy about which ones I enter these days. Totally. Because when I was back in Australia and Canada, I was like, I want to put in for anything and everything. Mm -hmm. And it was a valuable experience to kind of get that feedback and that validation and to have some things to put on my resume. But if I was doing that today, it wouldn't be anywhere near as useful to me because the top prize was usually, we're going to send all your stuff to some, made, uh, some agents and managers, but I actually have a manager now, so that's not that useful to me. Right. Um, um, it's like I'm either just like going for a one in a million shot at getting some prize money or not. So I'm kind of sticking to the bigger competitions where I might, you know, find something else from that rather than just meeting some people. But for the majority of people who enter, that is going to be your prize is getting to know people. I think part of what you just said is also the fact that now you are in LA and you have your own kind of like nascent career here. Yeah. But if you're not even in LA, I think it's, it is still worth submitting to those competitions if anything, just to build your own self-esteem yeah. or, or destroy it. <laughs> but either way, I think it, it is worth uh, submitting to at least some of the most well-regarded competitions, regardless of where you are in the world. Totally, yeah. Now, with that said, let's talk about what to do when, if like me, you don't know a single person in LA and you're all alone and you want to cry yourself to sleep at night. So for people who don't know anyone, what's step number one? What's the very first thing they can do to start meeting people? Yeah, I think the number one step is, as we've been saying over and over again, is put yourself out there. Go to other people's networks and groups. Now, we are talking about both industry-related and non-industry-related groups. For the industry-related, there's quite a bunch of sort of more professionally oriented entertainment industry organizations and tracking board you can check out. One such example is JHRCS, not a Jerts as some people pronounce it. Or J Hearts. Yeah. Or J Hearts. Yeah. I've heard that one. But You've yeah. heard J Hearts. Yeah. Uh, I think it's kinder it's a than, little cute. A little cuter than Jerts, but uh, I just say JHRCS. It stands for the Junior Hollywood Radio TV Society. As the name may imply, it's the junior version of HRTS, which is kind of this like networking organization for the heads of 
various development companies, networks, and production companies. Mm -hmm. And the junior version it mostly focuses on assistance at that level, whether that means agents, managers, junior executives, or aspiring, whatever. Yeah, the great thing about JHRTS is that they do have that direct connection to HRTS. So they have they run kind of like mentorship programs with those people. Absolutely. Uh, and there's, there's a real tangible connection between valuable people in the industry and also just like the lower level people like you who aren't necessarily not valuable, but uh, they can provide that kind of step. And beyond just the relationship aspect of it, uh, I don't want to undercut like the value of GHHS because they do offer other things like panels and contests. But really, I think the the mixers are arguably their most valuable tool, so to speak. Yeah, their and holiday party is off the chain. Their holiday party. And actually, I do have a story about that. Um, the way I got into GHHS was once again through a TV calling story. But basically, I, ha I had this sort of temporary IRC chat room. If you don't know what IRC is, uh, ask your parents. Uh, <laughs> but, so I had this IRC, you know, chat room online and this guy just kept posting. His name is Sam Miller and he is now one of the staff writers on Mom. And he, we, we started like hitting it off and talking about various things, including GHHS. And I think at the time he was one of the board members. And so he was obviously on the prowl looking for uh, new members <laughs> to join the organization. Mm -hmm. And he brought it up to me, mentioned that in December they were going to have this awesome holiday party. And when you buy the holiday party ticket, you get kind of a discounted price mm -hmm. to the membership, which is about $60 a year, I believe. With that said, at the time, I was under 21 years old, so I obviously was not going to be able to partake in the party. That's another thing, like moving to the U.S., that was kind of a shock as the uh, drinking age limit, which is under 21. Yeah, exactly. Australia's 18, wasn't in France, 16? 16, I believe, yeah. yeah. Quite a gap. 12. You know. oh, 12, <laughs> in the womb. <laughs> Um, but so yeah, so basically he knew I wasn't going to be able to make it to the party, but he kind of, I think he wanted still, he still wanted me to join the membership. I think he was going to get like you and someone else and you would go on his shoulders and put a trench coat on and a hat and get in that way. Like, uh, Vincent Adolfman, yeah. <laughs> Bojack Horseman. Um, but anyway, so despite the fact that I was not able to go to the party, that ticket still included the membership. So it was still worth it for me. I still bought the ticket because I got a discounted price on the membership. Did you scalp it to someone outside of the party? I, <laughs> I could have. I would have made some uh, sweet $30 uh, side cash. Uh, another organization that you can take a look at, one that I've been to a couple of the events of, is the ISA, the International Screenwriters Association. Uh, they also have like a cost for a membership for their, their website and stuff. I, to be honest, I haven't really looked into that that much. I got it given like a 12-month membership as one of the prizes for the screenplay competitions that I mentioned. But they do run a bunch of free networking events, um, so you don't even need a membership to come to a lot of those. They have one called Third Thursdays, which as the name implies, happens every third Thursday. Um, and they will have speakers and they will have people come through and they will offer up kind of door prizes and you just get to network and meet a, a lot of people, which is, which is handy. So another kind of organization are the online tracking boards, uh, which you can join even, I believe, without being in LA once again. Yeah, there is um, a distinction as well between in the same way that there is a blacklist website and there is an actual blacklist in the industry, um, there are websites called the tracking board and a website called tracking B, which are both kind of like publicly accessible, promotable, um, tracking boards as such. And then there are kind of like private ones that are very on the low key. And we'll, we'll talk about them in another stage. Or I was going to say, can you just explain, uh, what a tracking board is in oh, general? Yeah, sure. So essentially a tracking board is a group of people, um, who, 
exchange information and scripts that are floating around. Um, there is kind of like a, not a shady element to it, but there is like a low key element where a lot of the time these scripts aren't technically meant to be passing hands outside of like mm-hmm. these agencies and these places, but that's just what happens. It's honestly what the industry runs on is the free exchange of information and, and scripts and things between assistants. So um, bosses to some extent understand that that goes on, but you shouldn't ever really be very open and public about it. Cause you could potentially get in trouble if you're kind of sending a potentially confidential scripts around to people. But, it happens and it's just a fact of life so as long as you kind of like wink wink nudge nudge Mm -hmm. uh, you can get away with it so um particularly like a lot of the actual tracking boards are very small groups of people who all trust each other and know that they're not going to kind of like knock anyone out but there are these larger public tracking boards like the website the tracking board where it's a little bit easier you can actually just pay for a membership and get in and you'll still have the same access to those kind of scripts and whatever and i think people are like anonymous you create an account and you're you know people don't actually know who you are right yeah, absolutely. I think the, the big difference is what you just pointed out. One is public versus one is private. Uh, and the public, when I say public, we really mean you got to pay like whatever, I think $90, $60, whatever it is mm-hmm. to access the content. And with that, you do get access to scripts and tertiary job information. Yeah, there's actually a lot of job postings on the tracking board, which right. uh, which can be handy for people. Right. And I think, again, uh, beyond those kind of basic tracking board elements, you do have occasional, I think, mixers and events that they do throw for their members. And both of these websites run screenplay competitions as well, which uh, have a fairly good reputation. Totally, yeah. So outside of uh, kind of these professional organizations, there are a lot more um, informal kind of like interest groups and uh, meetup groups that you can can go to that aren't necessarily like people taking membership. They're just a bunch of interested parties getting together and chatting about screenwriting and, and catching up. One of those is Jen Grisanti's kind of group. Uh, Jen Grisanti is a story consultant who also works at the NBC Writers Program. The uh, On The Verge one, right? Writers on the verge, exactly. Yeah. So she definitely knows her stuff. And I believe every first Fridays, uh, every month, uh, she holds kind of this like big mixer meetup kind of event at different bars around LA. Mm-hmm. And this is, I mean, we are talking about a broader segment of the population than just TV writers. However, it is, I think, a great place to like start, especially when you don't know anyone. You go to that, you meet other people who, like you, are kind of aspiring writers and want to connect with other aspiring writers. And you can start building that connection. Yeah, and there's value in meeting people who aren't writers as well. Like exactly. If you meet people who are working as you know, directors or ADs or actors, anything like that. You never know who knows who, and it can, it's all valuable. And another group kind of like that is the Blacklist, not the Blacklist, the annual list, but the website, blacklist.com, which hosts mixers and table reads for unproduced screenplays. The table reads are great. I've been to a couple of those, and they will take a, a screenplay that has done really well on their website, right? Then they will put it on in a big table read at the Montalban Theater in Hollywood, uh, which is a cool little venue. And they will get like really top tier talent to come in, like working actors, big, big names and like just stellar casts of people. And it's, yeah, I highly recommend going to a couple of those. They're fairly cheap too, like $20, $30. It might just be uh, scripts from the actual blacklist, not the website, but it's still really great entertainment. And you get to talk to people to your left and your right uh, in that theater. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you're going to meet uh, cool people there too. One that I just went to recently, 
actually is a group called the Script Collective. And uh, they are closer to what I would call a traditional tracking board. They have a list serve, uh, and that is just kind of like a big mailing list. And uh, once you go to the event, you have to show up in person. You can meet the guy who runs it. His name's Jeremy, I think. Uh, or Mr. X, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. F. Uh, and... Yeah, once you get to meet some people there, he'll add you to the group. And what you essentially get is a constant stream of emails from people who are looking for scripts and things like that. And if you have that script or someone else does, they reply with that to them um, privately so that you don't know, you know, what's being, what's changing hands. Um, but uh, <laughs> that is probably a group of maybe like 600 people. They have like a, a member wow. database as well. And you can kind of look up people's contact information if you really need to. Um, so I recommend checking that out as well. They met at the the Grove at the farmer's market when I was there last time, but I think they might change every now and then. So uh, look them up online or find someone who knows out about them. Uh, I, I recommend that as well. But, but when you get added to the list, maybe set up like a filter on your Gmail to put it mm. into a folder. Otherwise you're going to be constantly receiving email after email. How many emails do you usually receive? Uh, I don't know. You can get like 20 a day or something. I, I stopped looking 20 at 20 a day? Oh, I guess it's a traditional, more of a traditional group. Is it like ISO? Yeah, it's thing? a lot of like, so ISO for you guys that don't know means in search of, and that's the kind of abbreviation shorthand for like, I'm looking for this script. I'm looking for the contact information of this person. So people shoot out those emails. People reply back. Everyone on the list gets the initial ISO emails. So that's why I recommend you kind of get it to skip your inbox, put right. it straight in the archive, um, label it away under script collective or whatever, or tracking board, and then you can just click on it and rifle through when you need to. And same thing with trackingboard.com and tracking B, uh, which also serve as kind of ISO, more classic tracking boards. Are they kind of like forums, like uh, like uh, bulletin board type things where you click on threads or is it an email list serve as well? It's more of the listserv format okay. where people just email this generic tracking board email and everybody who's a member, I think, receives what like either the ISO or whatever the request is. Oh, I see. Right. So much like uh, Script Collective, I would definitely uh, advise you to have some kind of filter. Yeah. Another point about being a member of those organizations is the directory that you get added to. Um, just to go back to GHHS and those kinds of groups, you do get added to that directory. Uh, as long as you use it uh, responsibly, I think it's an interesting tool at your arsenal. But again, don't like cold email a bunch of people on that group just because you can. That's not how... Yeah, I would not kind of like cold email of the entire list of being like, has anyone got a job for me? Um, but if there's like one very specific person who's like, I don't know, um, a junior development assistant at some company that you have a great interest in, maybe just like respectfully email them and be like, Hey, I would love to buy you a drink sometime and have a chat about something or, you know, that I think is acceptable and they can, you know, obviously say yes or no. Especially if you know someone who knows that person. I mean, we're going to talk about this later in another episode. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to bring it up. Just FYI. Yeah. So, um, Aside from interest groups, there are a bunch of great events, panels, conventions, and festivals that you guys can check out. Um, there is the Nerdist Writers Panel, uh, which happens at Meltdown Comics mm -hmm. on Hollywood, I think on Sunset. Um, yeah, it's right down uh, my street, actually. I can walk there in like five minutes. I'm really lucky. <laughs> yeah, so people are going to come stalking your house now. <laughs> oh, uh, crap. <laughs> they, Meltdown has a lot of great little like uh, podcasts and stuff. Mm -hmm. Town, the Dan Harmon podcast, Absolutely. they do stuff there. Um, there's a, a Simpsons trivia that happens every month that wow. I've been to a few times that's free and they give out prizes. So, What kind um, of prizes do they give at the Simpsons trivia? They give, I got an apron with like Homer 
Simmons face on it. Uh, some people got some like Simpsons toys. I yeah. need to see the apron. That's it, it's, it's pretty great. I don't know what I did with it, but anyway. oh. so I mentioned festivals as well. And I think one of the best festivals for screenwriters to go to is the Austin film festival. It's literally billed as the writer's festival, as opposed to kind of most film festivals are really about the directors and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, submitting films and short films. The Austin film festival is more or less centered around its script competition, which is very highly regarded. You know, people who do well in the script competition go on to get staffed on shows. They go on to have shows made from, from those finalist kind of scripts and the winning scripts. So, um, I submitted a couple of scripts to that. Maybe just one, actually. I submitted a few more this year. Um, was it a pilot or a spec? It was a half hour animated comedy pilot. Okay. Um, and I sent that through and there are a couple of different stages you can get to. It's a, it's a very competitive competition, but the essentially they have what's called the second round, uh, which is the top 10 to 15%, depending on how many people enter. Um, and that's kind of like the first cutoff. So that's how competitive it is. And then the next cutoff is the semifinals, then the finals, and then they actually have an awards ceremony, kind of like the Emmys or the Oscars mm-hmm. on a much smaller scale for those finalists. They show up, they dress up nice, they literally get handed little trophies of like typewriters. It's really cool. My script only got through the, the, the second round, um, which is still fun. Um, but what they do as well is give you a discount on your ticket if you make it through to those those rounds so i was like oh cool like i always wanted to go to like austin and texas and stuff anyway and there's like four days of uh awesome kind of like conferences they get everyone in to talk they had like norman leah there they had michael aunt they had uh shane black and then just other people like other than just writers they have kind of like executives from development companies and and agents and all different people there to talk to you about anything and everything. And when you make it through to these rounds, you get kind of like exclusive invites to um, conferences that are only for second rounders or only for semifinalists or finalists. So they mm-hmm. actually kind of like give you a lot of incentive to come and check that out if you've done well in the competition. And I cannot recommend it enough. Actually, I think you're not making enough justice. You're not giving enough justice to the to the networking opportunities back mm-hmm. at, uh, at the Austin Film Festival because it's one of the places where a lot of uh, senior writers come to hang out and it's all very informal, right? Oh, yeah, totally. They feel very, very comfortable just hanging out there. There's no kind of like red carpet. There's no, you know, things separating you from those people. Even if you don't go to those big mixers and parties and often... <laughs> Uh, especially if you don't, if you just hang out in the Driscoll bar, the Driscoll is the hotel that they host a lot of the events at. And a lot of those people stay at, if you just sit down there in the bar and hang out, you'll see Michael Arndt and Shane Black and, uh, all those kind of people just having a drink and chatting with people. And they are actually most of the time, very open to people sitting down and engaging with them. Um, that's almost what they're there for. They're there to kind of like, you know, chat about writing and to hang out and have a good time. Like they, they're not going to be like, Oh, get away from me. I'm not going to talk to you. <laughs> like, you know, there's not that same celebrity culture that mm-hmm. you might find in like actors and that kind of thing at that, that high level, because writers more than often than not, people don't know what they look like or they don't yeah. get recognized a lot. So they're almost like, you know, it's almost cool to them to have people be like, oh my God, I love your script so much. You know, let's chat. I chatted to Michael Arndt about Star Wars for like an hour Damn. Uh, before it had come out. Um, did, did you get a spoiler about the ending? <laughs> no, he was very good about not uh, letting that stuff out. And I think he wrote one of the very early drafts as well before it kind of, before casting came back in. But yeah, honestly, you don't even have to try that hard to meet those people. I was just sitting down playing on my phone and people start talking to you and then you get mm-hmm. drawn into another group and you start talking to them. I wasn't like walking around after Shane Black and being, hello, sir, how are you? But if you did, he 
would happily talk to you. And the other two train conventions I just want to mention are uh, WonderCon and Comic-Con, who are, again, more on the broader scale. They're not necessarily just about screenwriting or television. However, they are also the one place where a lot of the TV writers specifically, genre TV writers, I should say, uh, come to hang out and meet other writers and friends. And since it, it is much like Austin in a very different town than LA, people obviously stay at hotels and that incites either parties or gatherings at bars. Mm-hmm. It's in San Diego for those of you who don't know who maybe aren't from you know the States. But if you do want to go to that, you got to book hotels and stuff like months, six months in advance. Ab- absolutely. I think mentioned WonderCon, which is either in Anaheim or in LA, depending on the year. Uh, that is also a great, more like chiller place than yeah. uh, Comic-Con. It's actually the same organization that does Comic-Con, but at a much smaller scale. Is that Stan Lee's festival? No, no, no. That's Kamikaze. Oh, Kamikaze. Uh, WonderCon is literally the same company as Comic-Con. Okay, cool. They're both the same, uh, under the same umbrella. However, uh, WonderCon, I think, is... I want to say half of the a half to like 30% of the attendance rate as Comic-Con. Comic-Con is a monstrosity at this point. It's yeah. like hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, WonderCon, I think is almost 100,000. I'm not quite sure. Is WonderCon just like an overflow for like people who couldn't get to Comic-Con or what is its specific directive? Like it's It's been evolving much like Comic-Con where it started off as a very niche like comic convention and now yeah. has evolved into this like... Oh, it's just pop culture and stuff. I know at Comic-Con, it's like the place for like big announcements totally. for like any company any like you know games company any um tv Mo- movie. show movies Exa- exactly. they will announce big things and premiere it and you'll get all these on the weekend of comic-con you'll get all these like videos leaked to youtube I was like, <laughs> oh my god it's the new trailer for suicide squad or that kind of thing and i was gonna say as a side note like why are companies getting pissed that their panels are getting leaked when it is 2016 and it's people have like yeah exactly uh but to go back to actual relevant panels at comic-con comic-con and WonderCon both have a lot of tv running panels um, I started back in 2011. They only had, I think, one or two. But now I think they have at least like two or three per day. And it's a four or five day festival uh, for Comic-Con at least. And once again, you have a lot of genre writers uh, who come to hang out and meet fans and meet uh, other professionals. It is an organic way of interacting with these people with no real like stakes. Like they're not expecting like real mixers happening. It's really just you bump into someone at a bar or you go to the Hyatt and you hang out at the rooftop bar. Actually, I have a story uh, last year where the one of the primary spots in uh, San Diego is this uh, rooftop bar at the top of the Hyatt. And the mm-hmm. Hyatt is like right next to the convention center. Yeah. And last year, for some reason, the Hyatt decided to renovate the rooftop bar the one weekend of Comic-Con. Wow, great idea, guys. Just in case you don't know, like Comic-Con is arguably, I don't think it's arguably, I don't think it's there's arguable. No arguing there's, about there's it. There's no argument about it. Like Comic-Con is literally the biggest weekend in San Diego for the whole year. Mm-hmm. And they closed down the rooftop bar to renovate it during that period of time. <laughs> uh, let me say, I think they lost a lot of business that oh, year. Oh boy, I hope someone got fired for that yeah. blunder. <laughs> Um, but usually you do have a lot of those more lower key bars around San Diego where you look on Twitter and you just follow specific writers and I'm sure they'll tweet like where they hang out or whatever it is. I mean, I don't mean stock people. Yeah, so you like <laughs> rush up to them with your script and just like force it on them. I think that, that's what we're both advocating here. No. <laughs> uh, don't do that. And don't do the, the autograph thing either. I don't, I don't feel like writers really care about autographs. Yeah, I, but, I uh, certainly at these conventions do not recommend that you try to get them to take your script i was i saw people Mm -hmm. doing that at one of the like you saw that yeah yeah like it was i was in one of those like 
apparently exclusive like second rounder oh, panel God, things yeah. where it was like a little round table and you do like a speed dating thing with like actual TV writers. We're talking, I think like Christos Gage who wrote like Daredevil and uh, this guy who like was just sitting there with like a pile of scripts and everyone's like, what is this guy doing? And at the end he was just like, thank you so much for your time, sir. Look, I know this is going to be weird, but do you want to take my script and read it? And he's like, no, I can't do that. And, and he think- did that. 10 times to everyone who walked around the, the table and sat down. He tried to offer them the script and no one would take it. So please don't be that guy. I think if you start your sentence with, I think this is going to be weird, but it will I'm, be. <laughs> it will be. Now, beyond actual physical places in the world, you can also join online communities dealing with screenwriting. Like a worldwide web of people, <laughs> of people. On, on a line on, on the, the interwebs? internet. Yeah. Interwebs. It's like a net that is interconnected between computers. I don't know if you guys I, have heard of this. I it's a little it, old thing. I thought it was a series of tubes. Isn't that what the uh, <laughs> saying is? It's a series of magical crystals or something. I don't know. One of those communities is obviously Twitter, but beyond just the aspiring writers and fellow bloggers, you can definitely hit up some of the more professional senior writers who are very active. I think uh, we've entered a level now of fandom where there's a high interactivity between the creators and the fans. Mm, For better or for worse. Exactly. This is like a discussion for another time. But uh, as an aspiring writer, I think it is totally in your right to converse with people. It doesn't have to be disagreeing or like hate mail or anything like that, but like entering the discourse with other people. We joked about kind of getting a beer with Joss Whedon before, but uh, there are certain like showrunners and high level writers on shows who either want to engage with people or their show and their public relations people make them interact with people yeah. <laughs> uh, as a promotion for the thing. Like they often have these events where people will live tweet as the show is going and you can interact with them and they will tweet back to you. Like either that's like a set promotion or there are honestly just people who really want to give back their time. There's a, there's a really great guy called Jeff Lieber, Jeffrey Lieber. He writes for, I think, NCIS New Orleans or something like that. He's the showrunner on that. Yeah, I think you brought him up in episode one. Yeah. So once again, I've tweeted to him a number of times and he's replied with like really sage advice. He has these like showrunner kind of like rules and they are great. I retweet them all the time. So check him out. Uh, is there anyone that you kind of interact with a bit? Well, I think the obviously the children of Tendu people like Javi and Jose Molino are oh, yeah. very active on Twitter. They're very kind to their fans and aspiring writers alike. I would also say if you go to any panels featuring writers who are either on Twitter or online, after the panel, instead of going up to them in person and either handing them your script or like pestering them about something else, you should go online and just casually thank them for the time on Twitter or by email. I think that's the move instead totally. of just like I've, going. I've never honestly understood like the huge lines that form at the end of panels for people to talk to the writers and that kind of thing. Like even if you get some face to face time you're one of like 50 people who have just mm-hmm. done that. And I don't know really what the objective there is. Maybe you give them your business card and they're never going to do anything with that. But yeah, if you get on Twitter and shoot them a quick tweet, if it's especially if it's like put some thought into it and like genuinely appreciate what they just did, um, they might write you back. And, you know, if you get lucky, maybe they'll like follow you on Twitter and then you mm-hmm. could even kind of like, DM. DM DM with them and that kind of thing, you know, yeah, just be like a normal person. <laughs> yeah, because if you mob them after a panel, you're literally a face in the crowd. <laughs> it's like 50 people mobbing someone. I'm definitely not going to remember who any of these people are, probably more so than a tweet two days later. 
And beyond Twitter, which is more of a, a one-on-one kind of conversation, you can also check Reddit, uh, which has a screenwriting subreddit. Again, this is more towards aspiring writers wanting tips and tricks and those kinds of things. But you do have people like Craig Mazin from uh, Script Notes mm-hmm. and other professional writers who actually uh, chime in on the subreddit, the screenwriting yeah, C- subreddit. Craig, uh, John August occasionally comes mm-hmm. through. They will often interact with you if you you know post things. So You're right. These are like again online communities uh, to share experiences and bond with other aspiring writers. And even if they aren't a big name writer, there are a lot of working screenwriters on there trying to exactly. give back. So Another side of the interwebs are the more private online groups. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So in the same vein of something like the Script Collective or this tracking board, like email list serves, uh, a more modern kind of way of doing that now are Facebook groups. And there are a few ones that are private and invite only um, that kind of serve as their own tracking boards. Um, I'm not going to name names because it is private and invite only, but there Uh is a fairly prominent one for industry assistants. If you know someone who is an industry assistant, chat to them. And if you are Mm -hmm. also an industry, like there are certain rules, like you need to actually be working in the industry as an assistant or have recently done so within a year. Uh, you need to make sure that your job profile is listed as public so that they can see that you're one of those. And, uh, just generally, and the same thing with, uh, with tracking boards is that they like you to actively contribute. And if you sit around and don't actually give anything back to anyone, you might get removed from the group. So yeah, through this private assistance Facebook group, I cannot tell you the number of benefits that have, you know, networking, um, just honestly, just a great place to vent about your like frustrations with work and that kind of thing it can serve as a tracking board to find scripts. I have taken it upon myself to kind of make little like subgroups, like groups for assistants who want to go camping or groups for people who, um, you know, play board games or anything like that. And then you can kind of make new friends from that and also meet people that might be able to help you advance your career in future once you become friends, you know. And beyond just the assistant side, there's also the TV earning side. Uh, one of the more prominent online group is the LA TV writers group, which is on Yahoo. Yes, it's Yahoo, not Facebook. Although there is a Facebook equivalent, again, hosted and moderated by the same people, including yours truly, both on Yahoo and Facebook. And that is the place where I met um, most of my uh, fellow writers who are in my writing group. Yeah, I think I actually found my writing group through there as well. Um, The person who ended up becoming my writing partner posted an expressions of interest for writing groups. I replied to that. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, now now we write together and want to try and get stuffed in TV. So again, these are not like complicated forums that it's again, it's a Facebook group. It's a Yahoo group. It's just behave like a normal human being and post and interact. And, and also just take some things with a grain of salt because oh, yeah. not everyone <laughs> is necessarily professional. Like, so yeah. when you ask for people's advice, um, yeah, very much take that with some caution because they Wait. may or may not know what they're talking about. So let's say that you have exhausted all of the avenues that we've previously mentioned, or, you know, you really just want to strike out on your own and, and uh, create your own entourage like Vinny Chase. Um, <laughs> There's nothing stopping you from making your own writers group or starting your own Facebook group or anything like that. You know, you don't have to just join other people's things. If you create something that you see an opportunity or a need for and invite other people into it, more often than not, that can be of more value to you than simply joining someone else's thing because you are creating value and opportunities for other people. Absolutely. I mean, I created my own writing group for the LA TV writers Yahoo group, and it's been going on now for well over two years. We've cycled through a bunch of members. Some have been staffed, some have been at other levels of the industry. 
And again, it's not just about being passive and looking in, but also post things and interact with these people. Uh, another side beyond just the writing end of it is don't just limit yourself with anything that's industry or entertainment or screenwriting related. Uh, also branch out into non-industry stuff. Uh, an example is to go back to Reddit, um, there's the LA local subreddit that has about a few thousand members. And when I moved to LA, once again, I didn't know anyone and I joined into this community and we started this meetup group as in meetup.com group. Uh, and I believe now the meetup group has well over 6,000 members. Is that all in your living room? <laughs> we meet weekly in my living room, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, although you joke, but every year there's this thing called the Global Reddit Meetup Day, where every city around the globe uh, hosts their own kind of like big Reddit meetup. And LA is actually the second biggest after San Francisco, which is obviously the headquarters of Reddit. Oh, yeah. um, and I used to be kind of like a more regular part of that as one of the main organizers. And I think a couple of years ago, three years ago, maybe we kind of broke the record where we met at Grand Park and I think about 500 people showed up. Um, it was kind of like an insane like event. Um, and there's obviously the upside of having like celebrities show up. Like we had like Chris, oh, yeah? Chris Hardwick showed up at one point. Nice. Uh, I know Will Whedon is also a member of the meetup group. Um, again, like the point was not, uh, just because I made this thing that I got to meet these people. It was more towards, you know, having a social life, having a life outside just the computer or, uh, those screenwriting specific uh, events. Yeah. You should definitely have, uh, some things going on in your life other than sitting down and writing. Writing, it sounds very obvious, but um, I mean, A, it's going to give you fuel to, you know, have new experiences uh, to give you ideas and, and to things to put into writing. And when you eventually kind of like start meeting with people and whatever, um, you know, they're going to want to know what do you do outside of writing, like a showrunner and meeting, they might be like, what kind of stuff are you into? And if you have like a really interesting story about how you were a jazz musician for 10 years, like, mm -hmm. wow, that's fascinating. You know, they want to hear that you're a fully rounded person who has interesting experiences, like we mentioned in episode two. Don't be afraid to have hobbies don't just write all day also have a life yeah and speaking of reddit not many people know this but uh the mascot is actually based off of alex <laughs> <laughs> yes i'm snoo the alien that uh and actually how many people listening to this know that the mascot of reddit is actually named snoo and uh, actually well, has a name all of them now all of them uh, now yeah <laughs> what are some takeaways we can get from everything we just said well uh number one Start meeting people before you even arrive in LA, whether that is online or people in your local kind of community and network. All right, number two, I would say once you're here, don't forget about the existing connections you have, whether they are alumni or friends of friends or just some contests that you entered previously. Uh, number three, uh, partake in existing networks, you know, whether it's screenwriting or other hobbies, um, whether it's, you know, professional people or people who are aspiring, don't be afraid to kind of put yourself into other people's networks and get to know people. And number four, create your own adventures. Again, have a social life, make your own events, have something to write home about, basically. Yeah, read those choose your own adventure books if you need to know how that happens. <laughs> uh, what about some resources, Alex? What can we recommend for people this week? 
Well, the number one resource I'll uh, recommend is obviously meetup.com. It's a great website. It's uh, not a sex website. It is not. What's your obsession with sex, Nick? What's your, <laughs> I thought this was a PG, PG, uh, not PG podcast. Not anymore. Uh, but meetup.com is a great place, especially for hobbies, to meet other people interested in the same things that you are interested in, whether that is TV, whether that is screenwriting, or maybe knitting. And the other resource I'll give out is the LATV Writers Yahoo group, which I am one of the moderators of. And uh, we welcome you to uh, our abode. And I'm going to go back to a more traditional book again. Uh, what? Wait, what? what's a book? so what i'm going to recommend to you is a book called hollywood game plan by carol kirshner who has also been uh, an exec uh, for quite a long time in hollywood and she gives some really practical advice about how to move to la and you know how to get to know the town and do all those sorts of things um so check that one out and uh it's probably, honestly, most of the stuff that we've talked about. So I've still it all from her. Sorry, Carol. And on that note, uh, we would like to thank you for listening to our amazing conversation. If you would be so kind, you can leave us a review at paperteam.co. That's not .com. That's .co, C-O, slash iTunes, paperteam.co, slash iTunes. If you leave a review, it helps the show grow new listeners and build our amazing community. And you can find Alex on Twitter at at TV Calling. You can find me at at underscore and jay watson uh we would definitely appreciate any feedback thoughts and opinions you'll have about the podcast and uh next we're actually going to talk about writing once again and the differences between spec and a pilot and specifically which one you should be writing for your portfolio you your exact name john smith (laughs) we're only going to talk about what one person listening to us should be writing john smith if you're him tune in (laughs) thanks for listening we'll see you next week